We have worship tonight, amen? We have worship. We don't need to, uh, amen, we don't need to invite the presence of the Lord. The Lord is here. And uh, what an incredible time of worship. I, I love being outside, but I tell you what, tonight I like being inside and what God's doing in, in the midst of us. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I was over there. I pray that one day when I grow up, I, I want to be able to sing like Hagen. I don't know about y'all. I, I don't, I mean, I, there's a little jealousy that I have to repent of. I just want to be able to sing like that, you know? Uh, some of these Sunday nights, especially when we're inside, I'll, I'll lean up near the stage and I'll close my eyes and I'll sing quietly, but I'll imagine that it's my voice that's coming out. Because I, said, I love to sing. I, I'm just not very good at it at all. I, I don't know about you. In fact, when I was in seminary, they nicknamed me the jailhouse singer, which I thought was a compliment to ask them what that meant. And they said, well, Alan, because when you sing, you're always behind a few bars <laughs> and no key. <laughs> so I just close my eyes and just imagine I'm Hagen. I pray that one day Lord will give me that gift maybe. Take your Bible tonight, find the book of James. James in the New Testament, James chapter 5, as you're finding your place there. If you're a guest tonight, let me just introduce myself. My name is Alan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Island, and we're so very glad that you're here. We hope that you feel welcome. We, fa we pray that the Lord speaks into your life tonight, just in encourages you. And as Pastor David uh, shared earlier, is that you would just know that God is for you. The book of James, James chapter 5, there is a theme that runs throughout the book of James, and it is the theme of prayer. And James speaks about the importance of prayer, the necessity of prayer. Uh, he commands us to pray. And then throughout the book of James, he actually talks about the conditions of prayer. And one of the things that I want you to think about as you're finding James chapter 5 is that you have to think about this. When we utilize education, for example, what do we get? Well, we get what education gives, and, and that's certainly something. When we, uh, when we utilize organization, we get what organization gives, and, th and that's a good thing. Uh, when we use money, then we get what money gives, and, and that is a good thing. And when we give preaching and singing and worship, then we, we receive what preaching and singing worship gives. But when we pray, when we utilize prayer, we get what God gives. And friend, that is exactly what our nation needs today, is what only God can give. And it may be in your own life, your own marriage, your own family, your business, your career, your relationships, your finances. What you need is what only God can give. We've been, uh, we're winding up these next couple of weeks. In fact, really tonight, now that I think about it, tonight is our last in this study. We've been making our way through what we're calling the one another's in the New Testament. There are about 50 commands in the New Testament uh, because God really does care about how we treat one another. And we've talked about the fact that God commands us to love one another, to accept one another, serve one another. Show hospitality to one another. There's numerous commands. as we And we've kind of made our way, not through all 50 of them, but, but many of them. And tonight, I want you and I to kind of conclude the study by looking at this command that we are to pray for one another. 
James chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 16. And as we've done this year, just have reverence to the Word of God, believing that God speaks to us through His Word. Let's just stand together in honor of the reading of His Word. I'm going to read it out loud. You follow along. James says this to us, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be, what? Healed. That's interesting, isn't it? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And as I've been trying to do these last several Sunday nights, I hope that when you come, you bring a pencil or a pen. I think maybe tonight on the chairs, I'm not sure if we, I know we have the connect cards, but maybe there's some pens, but you need a pen. And uh, the good news for you tonight, there's just a couple of things that I want to show you. Not three things or four things or five things, but just a couple of things I want to show you from this text tonight. And the first is this. The first thing that I want you to see is the confession we should offer. The confession we should offer. Notice again the first part of verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. You ought to underline that phrase in your Bible there. Confess your sins to one another. Now, there's a lot of commands in Scripture. There's a lot of these one another's that we've looked at. And we go, you know what? I can do that. I can, I can try to forgive one another. I can try to love each other. I can try to accept one another. But when it says here, that we ought to confess our sins to one another. And that's a little, that's probably the, one of the most difficult things. But he commands us. This is a command, by the way confess your sins to one another. Now, what we generally do is we, we like to criticize our friends, but not necessarily confess our faults. But again, this is a condition of prayer. But we would rather, you know, uh, rather than confess our faults, we would rather cover our faults. So often we'd rather, we'd rather cover our sins than confess our sins. And uh, because the, here's the truth. We don't really want anybody to know about our sin. I mean, you think about this. You say, well, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a sinner. In fact, I want everybody to think I'm a super Christian. I mean, Pastor, don't you know at least once a week I put a Bible verse on my Facebook page and, and I'll ask for prayer and I'll offer prayer. And I want everybody to know that I'm a super Christian. And I even come to the Church of the Island on a regular, regular basis and, and I'll, I'll put a little money in the plate and support the ministries. I want everybody to know that I'm a great Christian. I don't want everybody to know my faults or my sins. Well, it's difficult. It's certainly a difficult thing to do. Yet the Bible says that we are to confess our sins to one another. When you and I examine the history of revival all throughout the ages, what you'll see about the history of revival, every extraordinary outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, the results of a revival, a spiritual awakening, without exception, it wasn't so much about great preaching or great singing but great confessing, great confessing, the confessing of our sins. And the Bible teaches there. There's just something that God does when God's people become broken, when they humble themselves enough to confess their sins. God moves. His spirit moves mightily. In fact, there's two or three things the Bible teaches about the confession of sin. One of the things the Bible teaches, in fact, it teaches us right here, is that confession brings restoration. 
Confession brings restoration. What is the, what is the rest of the verse? Said? It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you, what? That you may be healed. That you may be healed. Now, the context of James chapter 5 is about physical healing. That's the context of James 5. However, that little word in the Greek that's translated healed is much larger than that. It speaks beyond physical healing. In fact, what James teaches is this. If the man of God, if the woman of God would humble themselves, become broken before the Lord, and would confess their sins and pray, then God will move and bring physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. It's beyond physical healing. That he'll actually heal the person. He'll heal the relationship. He'll heal the emotion. He'll heal the spirit. He'll do that if there is confession. Confession brings restoration. There's something about confession that enables God to move in your life to heal physically, spiritually, emotionally. God, through confession, brings restoration. The Bible also teaches this, that confession brings reconciliation. Confession brings reconciliation. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching about worship. Just exactly what you and I are doing now. He's teaching about worship. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 23. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there is, and there remember that your brother has something against you, then leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you come to church, and you want to bring your, your worship, your singing, your, maybe your financial gift, but you're bringing your gift of worship. And as you come together, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit convicts you. The Holy Spirit uh, reminds you that there is a relationship issue with someone, that there's a difficulty, there's a, there's a strain there. It would be like this. I come to Church of the Island tonight, and I have every intention to bringing my worship to the Lord before him, and the Holy Spirit convicts me, you know what? You've got something. There's an issue between you and Kevin Kennedy. We had a, we had a sporting clay shoot on Thursday, and Kevin outshot me, and maybe I got angry at him and said something ugly to him, and, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. And so, I, but, so I, I'm, I'm coming here to bring my worship, but the Holy Spirit says, ah, uh-uh, you, you need to confess. So what I am supposed to do is to, to stop what I'm doing, and I'm to go to Kevin, and I'm saying, Kevin, you know what? I need to confess to you that I've been harboring, harboring some ill feelings. Uh, I, I, I feel like there, there's something between us, and I'm asking you to forgive me, that we may be right with one. I want to be, Kevin, I want to be reconciled with you. That's what the Bible, so when we confess, it not only brings reconciliation, not only does confession bring healing physically, emotionally, spiritually, but here's what it does. It brings us together. It brings, it brings reconciliation between relationships. And I'll tell you something else it does. Confession ultimately brings revival. It brings revival. Revival will occur when confession replaces criticism, and compassion replaces condemnation. But let's just be honest. Churches in America today, here's what Christians, here's what it looks like in America. I'm telling you, the vast majority of churches, we're not not confessing, we're criticizing. 
We're condemning. That's what we're doing. We love to gossip about one another. We love to backbite one another. We love to condemn one another. We we love to talk down and bad about one another. But the Bible says, listen, we will, and we wonder why in America, why the churches in America are, are 80 plus percent of them are plateaued or declining. And you've shared with, I've shared with you some of my vision that over the next 18 months, listen, experts are projecting that 20,000 churches in America will close its doors. And we wonder, well, why hasn't God brought revival? Why hasn't God really moved among Christians and churches in America? It's because we'd rather talk bad about one another and condemn one another and criticize one another than pray for one another and confess sin. And you say, well, okay, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you saying then that we need to come up here and grab these microphones and we need to start just confessing all everything we've done the last 10 years or the last 10 days? No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, let's look at that again. The scripture says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another. It does not say broadcast your sins to one another. By the way, I'm grateful for that. Amen. I'm also grateful that it doesn't say post on Facebook all your sins. Amen. Some people do that and I just go, oh, I just shake my head. Here's what it says. Confess your sins. So here's what I want you to understand, and this is worth noting, because you're going to go, well, what what does that mean, really? The, The circle of confession needs to follow the circle of sin. Let me say that again. The circle of confession needs to follow the circle of sin. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Let me tell you what I believe the Bible teaches. Private sin, private confession. Private sin, private confession. So let's say that you have sinned, and nobody knows about that sin but you and God. So who who do you confess to? You confess to God. You confess to God. Private sin, private confession. Now let me just add this little extra to encourage and to help you. If this private sin and nobody knows about it, if, if it's a stronghold, I love that tonight, I love what Josiah and Hagen did tonight, and that so many of the songs tonight uh, spoke about chains being broken. Because oftentimes we have these strongholds in our life. And so if there is a, if there is a stronghold and there is private sin, but it's repetitive, I mean, it's a stronghold in your life. Do you need to confess publicly? No. But here's what I would encourage, that you find a trustworthy brother, a trustworthy sister, and you bring them in and you share with them so that, listen, as you confess to God and you pray and you repent, that they can pray for you and pray victory for you in you and through you. But here's the principle. The circle of sin follows uh, the, follow, the, conf- the, the circle of confession Follows the circle of sin. Private sin, private confession. Personal sin, personal confession. Personal sin, personal confession. Let's say that I did. Let's say that I sinned against Kevin. And so what do I need to do? I need to go to Kevin. I, I need to go to Kevin and I need to ask Kevin to forgive me. I need to confess to him that I've sinned. 
So personal sin, personal confession. And see, that's again, I'm telling you, we wonder in our life while we don't experience the power of God, the hand of God, while we don't experience these things in our life, it's because we're not following Scripture. By the way, again, let me say, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, that you may experience the power of God in your life, whether it's healing or reconciliation, whatever it is that God may May, may move in your life. Private sin, private confession. Personal sin, personal confession. Public sin, I believe there should be public confession. Alan, what do you mean by that? What, what is public sin? Public sin is this. That sin that publicly dishonors the name of Jesus. And, and brings dishonor to the church of Christ, the church of the risen Christ, to the, church, the witness. It, it, it harms the witness of the church. That's what public sin is. It dishonors the name of Jesus, and it hurts the witness of the church. Now, you got to remember, we're talking about Christians here. We're talking about brothers and sisters, but they have publicly sinned in which they have dishonored the name of Jesus publicly, and they have hurt the witness of the church. I think when that's the case, I believe there ought to be public confession. I just believe there ought to be. I believe the Bible teaches that. And so I just want to, you may, you may well, look, hey, listen, I sinned publicly, but you know what? I, I confessed. I repented before the Lord. Well, good. But guess what? Nobody else knows that. The church doesn't know that. And the damage that you did, the harm that you did, was done publicly in dishonoring the name of Jesus and hurting the witness of the church. And so I believe the confession ought to be public. So what we see here is the confession that we should offer in that he says, confess your sins to one another. Number two, there is the command that we should obey. The command that we should obey. And the rest of verse number 16, it says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and Pray for one another. Underline that phrase. Pray for one another. Again, a command. I think about back in the Old Testament. Samuel said this to Saul. God forbid that I should uh, cease to pray for you. I honestly believe that it's a sin when we don't pray for one another as we should. The Bible commands it. And so often I think that we're guilty of criticizing one another, gossiping, gossiping about one another, hurting one another. In fact, you know you've heard this, that the Christian army is the only army that shoots its own wounded. I believe that. I've seen it. And by the way, if we know there is a brother or sister that's, that's wounded, we don't need to gossip about them or talk bad about them or condemn them. You know what they need? They actually need lifting up in prayer. Why are we so no notorious about shooting and, and hurting people who are Christians who are already wounded? Pray for them. Pray for one another. Lift them up. I mean, we ought to just pray victory in their life. Because really what they need is not our gossip or, or our condemnation or our judgment. What they actually need is our prayer. I, I think about how, how much we need we need prayers. Listen, let me, let me just be honest. Listen, I need your prayers. When it says that we ought to pray for one another, I need prayer. One of, the, one of the most special times every Sunday for me 
is that I get up, I get up extra early. I go to the Cottage Hill campus, and I, I just kind of, uh, oftentimes I'll just walk through the worship center, and I'll just pray, and, and, um, and then I'll go upstairs, and I'll meet Josh or others to kind of review some slides if I've made some adjustments in the, in the sermon, in the message. And, and then I meet with a small group of deacons. It just There's a small group that, that adjusts their schedules, and they've been doing this for, I asked to be, I've been, they've been doing this for nine years. And, um, and I get on my knees, and, uh, and they lay hands on me, and they pray for me. And they pray for me out loud. And I'm telling you, one of the most special times when these men pray for me. And often they pray for my, my wife, they pray for my sons, they pray for my family. And I usually tell them what I'm preaching on and what's kind of happening here at Church of the Island or what's going on in the ministries, and they'll pray. But here's what they do. They pray for me. And they pray an anointing, and they pray the filling of the Spirit, and they pray if, if, if Alan has any unconfessed sin in his life, that, that he would get right, and he would be a pure and clean vessel. I'm telling you, some of the most precious time in my life when these men pray for me. Because I, I need, I, listen, I, I'm encouraged by that, and I'm strengthened by that. And the Bible says, you know what we ought to do? We, he commands us, we should pray for one another. Pray for one another. This, didn't, this has not happened here. It happened at uh, another campus, and this was, this was a while back. This is, this is a few months ago. Um, we have, uh, at the Westmobile campus, we have baptized since January uh, almost every single Sunday. We've, we've seen people baptized coming into the Lord. It's been an incredible thing. Um, and in like what we've seen here, Church some of these teenagers, some of these students coming to know the Lord, and, oh, it's a beautiful thing. But um, this was a few months ago, but one of the people that we baptized uh, came to the Lord. We baptized them, but they, uh, after a couple of weeks, uh, they slipped back into a lifestyle of sin. And I overheard somebody make this statement who knew that person, and they said something like this. They go, well, I was wondering how long it lasts. I, I, I was really, I, I, was, I was wondering how, how long that would last. And when I overheard that statement, it just, it just, it just wrenched my, my heart. If you, if, you, if you thought or knew it was going to be a battle for them, why didn't you pray for them? And I'll tell you what God did in my life through that is that, is that I, I have every, every week I have uh, the names given to me. That I could, I, I felt convicted. You know what? That you know what? You know what I should do? If there's people who are sitting around waiting on people to fall and fail, you know what? You know what those people need? You know what those new believers need? They need me to pray for them. They need me to pray victory in their life. I want to encourage you to do this. I think that every single person that's baptized on Church of the Island, you ought to go to Pastor David and say, Pastor David, tell me their name again. And you ought, to, you ought to start praying for them. Because here, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you know this. You know that you make a commitment to start living for the Lord. What's going to happen? The devil's going to attack, isn't he? The devil's going to come after him. We actually say this to our new believers. We say, listen, be aware. It may even before you get home today, you're going to be under attack. Because listen, the devil doesn't want you living for God. The, the devil doesn't want you making those adjustments in your life and giving honor and glory to God. And so Satan's going to attack. And so you know what that new believer needs, especially in those first days and weeks and months of, of, of new in faith? They need me and you to pray for them. 
that God would give them victory and strength in the temptations and in the struggle. Amen? There's just one more thing I want you and I to look at, and, and I, think it's, I think it's important. I think it's, I think it's uh, crucial that we kind of understand the, the context here. And, and um, In fact, I just want to maybe, uh, you may want to do as I did. I actually wrote in the margin of my Bible a little statement. Not all prayer gets to God. Not all prayer gets to God. See, what James does in, in throughout the book of James is he actually gives us the conditions that if you want prayer answered, you want the power of God, you want healing, you want, you want to experience that in your life, there are some conditions that have to be met. In James chapter 1, for example, he says that when you pray, pray without wavering. Pray without wavering in your faith, but pray, but don't waver. The second thing that he says in James chapter 1 is he says this. He says, be careful about your motive when you pray. Be careful. Watch your motive, he says. Then in James chapter 5, there's two more conditions in, in this passage. Uh, notice uh, the rest of that verse. And I love, by the way, I love how the New King James Version translates it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's just keep this on. Let's just keep up here for a minute. The effective, fervent prayer. That, by the way, speaks to intensity. The intensity of prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that speaks to integrity. So there's two more conditions that have to be met that God's watching. That's the intensity of your prayer and the integrity of your prayer. So let's just think about that. By the way, when it says there, the effective, fervent, those two words is actually one word in the Greek. One word in the Greek. And it actually, it's a Greek word. I love this. It's actually a Greek word that was used, uh, it literally means to stretch out. It's what the Greek word means. It was used to describe an athlete or a runner who is running and racing, and they're, and they're about to cross the finish line, across the, the break, the, the tape, and they're stretching out to win. That's the term. It, it, it's not, listen, it, it's stretching out, not, not the length of your prayers, not, not how long you can pray, but it's the intensity and so what God is looking for are, are godly men and women who would, who, would, who would pray stretched out prayers, prayers of, of intensity. It's the kind of prayer when you go back and look at Scripture when, God, when Moses is praying for his people. You remember God is so angry with his people. He's so frustrated with them. They're just so rebellious. And God says, you know what, Moses, I'm just going to strike them all dead. I'm just going to kill them all. I delivered them. I did all of this. And now look at them. I'm just going to kill them all. And Moses prays with such great intensity that Moses says, God, please don't do that. God, if you're going to blot out their name, blot out me too. It just prays with great intensity. Abraham prays, and you ought to examine it, and a very intense prayer as he's praying over Sodom and Gomorrah. It's that kind of thing. So that's the condition. You want the power of God, the healing of God, reconciliation. I mean, for God to move in your life, it's with intensity, but then also integrity. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman. Now, what you need to note is what he's referring here is not positional righteousness, but personal righteousness. 
So here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when you and I come to faith in Christ, when we turn from our sin and selfishness and we trust Christ, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to our account. So before the eyes of God, Alan is righteous uh, because the righteousness of Christ is applied to me. That's positional righteousness. What we're referring to here, James, is, is personal righteousness. That is your personal walk with God, your personal holiness. In other words, are you up to date in confessing your sin, your walk with God? So when you, listen, when you are praying and you're praying for one another, you're to pray with intensity, you're to pray with integrity. You're to pray without wavering. You're to pray in the right motive. But listen, God is looking for those men and women that will pray that way. And oh, if they will, there's something that just moves heaven. And God does the miraculous. God moves mountains when that happens. And, and he gives us the example of Elijah, doesn't he? He says, think about Elijah. I mean, it's what he goes on to say there in verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed what? With great intensity, fervently. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. And guess what? Elijah's prayers moved heaven, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and it started raining. That's what God's looking for. You know what I thought about when I was saying this passage? I thought about the fact that I think that you and I, knowing this truth, I think that we trade diamonds for dirt when we understand that if we would just confess our sins, we could move heaven. But here's what we'd rather do. We'd rather trade diamonds for dirt. We we would rather take our sin, our little pet sin, and we'd rather just hang on to it. Not deal with it, not confess it, but just carry it around. And then we wonder why we don't experience the power of God in our lives. And we wonder why we don't experience the power of God in our marriages, in our children, our business, our lives. Because we'd rather just hang on to it. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Altar calls a little bit different. We're going to have the opportunity to do what the Bible says. We're going to have an opportunity to pray for one another. So this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to ask Pastor David to come stand right over here, right over here, a little bit out of the way. I'm going to ask uh, Jared, Jared, if you'd come, stand right over here, a little bit out of the way. And what I'm going to do in just a moment is I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us. The, back, the band's going to go ahead and go ahead and come. I ask the band to come. And I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to have an opportunity to pray. And what I, what I want to, to do is give you the opportunity to have one of our pastors pray with you, all right? And uh, they're going to be a little bit off to the side because it can get a little loud here in the front. And we want to be sure that you hear them and you're able to talk to them. And so they're going to be available if you would like one of our pastors to pray with you. Now, others of you, you can stay and sit right there. Or if you want to come kneel to this altar, I'm going to make myself available just to pray over you. Now, can you stay right where you are and pray? Absolutely. But if you want to be prayed over, you want to pray with, we're available. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to, here's two options. We're going to sing or we're going to pray. We're going to sing and praise and worship. We're going to sing or we're going to pray. And um, it may be that you have someone near you that maybe they need prayer. 
Here's what I've seen already today. I've seen somebody take somebody else's hand and say, listen, why don't we go and let me pray for you? Or let me have Pastor David pray for you. And we'll pray together for you. I love that. I mean, I just think the Bible teaches we ought to confess to one another and we ought to pray for one another. So here's what I'm thinking, Church of the Island. We are one big family here. Why don't we pray for one another? Why don't we do that tonight? Amen. Why don't we do that? Why don't we pray for one another? Kevin and Mandy are here, healthy, mean as ever. Do you know why? Power of prayer. Power of prayer. Those two right there are walking miracles. I believe unto God. Power of prayer. Let's stand together. Bow your head for just a moment. In fact, I just want to say this. Even as, as, as I begin praying in a moment, if you feel led to come to this altar and you want to come to one of these pastors, you just go ahead and come. But let me ask this. Is there a relationship in your life that needs prayer? How about your business? How about your job? How about your children? I want someone to pray with you, pray over you, pray for you. How about your health? We see with Kevin and Mandy as, as we just lifted them up and we just saw the hand of God and brought healing in their bodies miraculously. How can we pray for you tonight? Let's pray for one another. You may just want to take someone by the hand and say, hey, can I pray for you? So God, we're so grateful that you are a good and gracious God. And your word tells us in the book of Hebrews that we can approach your throne with confidence. To receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And Lord, there are some here tonight who are are in a time of need. And God, I thank you in your word that we can approach your throne of grace with confidence and that we can pray for one another. And God, if we'll pray with intensity, if we'll pray and make sure our own hearts and lives are, are right and are lined up, then God, you'll move mountains. And Lord, there may be some here tonight that, that quite honestly, they, they need reconciliation. They, there's, there's healing. But Lord, there may be some here tonight that really what you're calling them, the prompting of your Holy Spirit, is there's some confession that needs to take place. It may be private, it may be personal, it may be public, but there's confession that needs to take place. And there's already the convicting of your spirit about this. And I pray that you would give them enough courage to be obedient in that area. And God, I pray that in these next moments as the the band lead us in singing, I pray that Church of the Island tonight becomes a house of praise and a house of prayer. I pray that in these next moments, a house of prayer. In Jesus' name.